0: Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests
1: here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC.
0: Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Well,
1: hello again, everyone. And well, welcome again, Tommy Sampson, because We've already had Tommy the player, we've had Tommy the manager and now we're going to have Tommy, the Vars winner. So, Tommy, what, uh, what was the very first game in the Vars that season at Deal that kicked you off on that wonderful run?
0: Tony, we were drawn away in the first round, which was, I think, very early September. We were drawn away to Eastleigh, who were an ambitious Dewson wessex league side. Now, my youth team manager at the time was a, a lad called Peter Carmen. Now, Peter was a legendary Ashford goalkeeper. Uh, he ran my under-18s and knew his football. I sent Peter down to watch Eastleigh, and he came back with a comprehensive report that I studied thoroughly. So we, we made our way down to Eastleigh. We had a bad start because the coach driver took the wrong turning off of the M27. We got there at quarter past three and we had to rush to get team sheets in. So we really was a rush. I hadn't really had time to say very much. And lo and behold, we score after nine minutes and we're one nil up. Paul Ribbons, very energetic right wing back for me. We scored after nine or ten minutes, went one nil up, and then the heavens opened, and we got to halftime, and suddenly we were 3-1 down. We'd made mistakes, like out of character for my team. And uh, as, as the referee blew the time whistle, we were 3-1 down. Wow. I said to my assistant manager, Keith listened, I said, I'm going to lose my temper. And I told him before we got in the dressing room door, I got in the dressing room and just lost my temper. I said, if you think I'm going out this bleeping competition in September, you've got another bleeping thing co- coming. And I made a couple of substitutions in anger, more than, like, more than deliberate planning. And I sent a different side out slightly in the second half. Three-one down at halftime. Tony, we won four-three. Stevie Best, Steve Lovell, Steve Marshall, all scored goals. We were magnificent. After the game, I was um, after the game. I was talking to Matt Davison on Radio Kent as he'd run, and he said, "Tommy, you got away with that one." I said, "Matt, I said Matt, that result's got Wembley written all over it." Yeah, I remember saying it. How prophetic words they are. Phew. Yeah, I said, well, we were at the competition at quarter to four and then at quarter to five we'd remarkably, we'd won. Wow. I did lose my temper at half time. I told Keith listen, to him, this is not going to be a, a, a sort of calm chat about it. I went absolutely crazy. There was an old antique medical table in front of me with this painfully weary sort of leather top on it. I kept bashing my hand on it. And every time I bashed my hand on it, piles of dust went up in the air. But I said, if you think I'm going out this competition in September, you've got another blinking talk talk coming. Anyway, I sent a slightly different side out. No, no, no clever team talk. You know we were three-one down and we just battered them. I'll never forget. It was teeming down with rain all day. Now they were—they had a lot of players. They had a very ambitious chairman. You've only got to look at where they are today. Yeah. You know they play Venerable National League. Yeah, fantastic. League. Andy Hessenthaler and Tyler was down there a little while, and the stadium we played in was a lovely at grass. Trees, Banks. Now, it's a fantastic stadium that has got a, a grading for the Football League, I think. So this was a lot, many years ago, but they were ambitious. And to have won 4-3 and saying that to Matt Davison, I said, Matt, this result has got Wembley written all over it. Now, we never set out to win the Vars, Tony. No, We set out to win the league. I had a very good set of players. Um, people like Steve Lovell, very experienced. Terry Martin, who played for me for a long time, and and it was just an amazing day. So by the skin of our teeth, we got through. Anyway, we was in the draw on the Monday morning, which was important. We got drawn at home in the second round to a Sussex County League side called East Preston. Now I'm not being un- I'm not being Disrespectful, but that was almost a free hit. We, you know, we were a good side, and the Sussex County League, I thought we could, Kent sides normally beat Sussex League sides. Yep. And it was. We won 3 0 in the second round. Yep. And it was the day England played Scotland in a World Cup qualifier at Handham Park. And the biggest cheer of the day was when Rowley Graham won the sweep that we'd set up for Paul Scholes <laughs> scoring the first goal. Anyway, we beat them comfortably. It was never in doubt. Yeah. So we're in the third round. And we get drawn at home again to a team called Watton United. They come. were Duesen League, uh, Eastern Counties, managed by a guy called Alan Bailey, who used to play for Cambridge, Everton, Scored lots of goals in his career, and you know we would we would shake out we shook hands and we chatted away. And anyway, they they scored first and we were one nil down. And then Paul Ribbons popped up again. Paul Ribbons was a right wing back for me. He used to score twelve or fourteen goals a year, and he popped up with the equaliser. And amazingly I had my mobile in my pocket and Matt Davison was ringing me because he thought the game had finished. So we get a corner and as, the, as Mark Seger knocked the corner in, Phil Turner, who had gone on a sub, it dropped to him and he lashed it in the top corner. And I'm commentating on Radio Kent as we score. I'm going, Matt, we scored, we scored, we scored. And so... You know, it was it was just I mean, I was used to it I mean I worked for Matt for Matt for a long time. I know you do. I was trying to pare it down and keep me cool, but we scored in the last minute to make sure we'd won two one. Brilliant. And all we wanted was that getting in that hat for Monday morning. Now that this was the third round. We beat Watton United. Now the fourth round goes national. Yes. You go anywhere. Mm. And I was listening to the draw on the, on the telephone and it come out so-and-so, number such and such, Crook Town will play Deal Town, and I thought, Crook, where the hell is that? I half knew it was up north, then I looked at the map and I thought, oh my God, we we're another up 45 minutes past Newcastle. Wow. And i I took great pride in preparation. I was very lucky at Herne Bay and Deal, particularly. I was full time. I could go and watch teams, take me time, drive, get on a train, whatever. So me and my wife, Sandy, we drove to watch Crook play on a very cold Saturday afternoon. We stayed at Bishop Auckland in a nice hotel, and my chairman, Roy Smith was very kind with expenses and stuff like that, and invoices stuff, like stays in hotels and petrol. And Tony, it was absolutely freezing. Crooktown versus Easington Colliery. I went to the tea bar and said, can I have a cup of tea, please? And they said, you're not from here, are you? I said, no, I'm from the Kent Coast. I'm from Deal Town. We play you in the vase in a couple of weeks. And I ended up with mushy peas and steak and kidney pie. I loved it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Anyway, I didn't learn very much about Crook at all. They beat Easington 2-1. And it was so cold and windy that it just was a, a waste of time. But I'd been to see him. I knew their big centre-half was. I knew he couldn't. I knew, I'd seen milk turn quicker than him. So I thought Stevie Marshall. I've got one for you, centre half a crook. Anyway, we the following week we went to Crook on the Friday night, stayed overnight, and we chatted about. I went through, I went through everything in a private room. I would named the side and I told people who who they needed to mark from corners, and we got all that detailed dip done. By the time we got the crook on the ground, it was blowing 40 miles right down the pitch. Wow. So I said to Terry Martin, what are you going to do at the toss? He said, Tom, it's difficult. You know, the wind has been so strong. I said to Terry, I said, Terry, kick into the wind if you win the toss, because the second half, we might need to be fresh to defend with the wind in their favour. Yeah. Anyway, we, it, the game was a nil new, new at half time. The dressing rooms were freezing cold when we got in there and we chatted about how we'd done. The centre half had been booked bringing Steve Marshall down because they'd obviously not been to watch us play. No. Uh, their manager was a guy called Alan Shoulder, who was a Newcastle regular and legend. Two or three, four years previous, mm-hmm. we scored two late goals, we won 3 0, and that was the day I knew it was possible. I thought we're away from up, we're 250 miles, maybe four hundred mile round trip away from home, and we've comprehensively beaten this team. And their manager came up to me after the game and said, Tom, well done. And he paid us a great compliment. I might have said this before. He said, Tom, you played like northerners. Oh, yeah. And I said, Alan, thanks for that. We needed to. I said, we were were a good side. But obviously, this far away from home tests people's character. Yeah. We went back to the hotel. And I won a raffle in the hotel. And I've got, I won a side of beef. (laughs) And it was... In, in all its little netting. But yeah. it was huge. It was like four or five pounds worth of beef. Yeah. And in the hotel, by chance, was the manager of Bishop Auckland, a guy called Brian Lee. Yeah. Now, I didn't know Brian very well, but I knew him. We chatted about football that night and the previous He'd been in the hotel just to see if he could catch up with the deal town manager. Yeah. He lived around the corner. And I said, Brian... I've won this, you take it home, you feed your family or feed your football team. And that was it. Uh, I lost that 15 pound side of beef. <laughs> How lovely. What a lovely but, story. You know, we, Rowley Graham had been driven up because he'd stayed a little bit behind because his wife was having a baby. Yeah. So Roly was driven up sort of very, quite early on the Saturday morning and Colin Ford, my my first team coach, he'd driven, because Rowley wanted to be away as quick as possible after the game, in case the baby had been born. And on cue, Stephanie gave birth to Abe, as he called him. And we, we rushed him home. Colin Ford took him home. He didn't come on the coach because obviously the coach was going to stop a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. But Rowley, Rowley had this lovely five pound 12 baby that he showed off the following Saturday night after our game the following week. And Stephanie, he dragged Stephanie out of hospital just to bring the baby down to football. (laughs) Rowley. Yeah, we had some class, rolling. Oh, dear, that's true. And uh, anyway, so we're, in the, we're now in the fifth round. And again, it's national. Who do we get? So I'm on the phone. It's cost me fortune, like 65p a minute. I'm listening to the draw. Yeah. And I'm thinking, who do we get? Who are we going to get? And they all come out, Tiverton, Taunton, and you think, Oh, thank the Lord for that. We missed them. Yeah. Vauxhall Motors and all sorts of teams. And I'm praying for someone like in Kent or maybe South London. Yeah. And it came out, the very last numbers came out, the Metropolitan Police will play Deal Town. Oh. Oh, wonderful. I thought it's only like South Southwest London. Brilliant. We can watch them easily. And the Metropolitan Police, we played Met Police earlier in the season in an FA Cup match and beaten comfortably 2-0. So I thought there was an edge for us there. Yes. And I went to watch Met Police. I I never went, never went into a cup game at Herne Bay or Deal without having watched teams. I never took it on spec. I never took someone's report as like, as the word. I wanted to have a look myself. And Met Police had this big centre forward who was a legendary player for Met Police called Ian Batten. He was as wide as he was big, but a hell of a good player. Yeah. Their manager was a guy called Jim Cooper. Nice man, Jim. Anyway, so... The game was in doubt because it had absolutely poured down with rain all week, and we didn't know till 2 o'clock. What the chairman did for me, he, he, I asked him, can we take the players to a pre-match meal, maybe just down the road? So we did. We stopped in Henley on Thames and had a nice bit of, um, you know, fried bit of steak small bit of steak because it was obviously one o'clock you know we didn't want to be eating too so we had egg on toast a little bit of steak and we didn't find out till two o'clock that the game was on And when we got there in Bacourt they play it's a beautiful place yeah and it's usually a fantastic playing surface but when we got there the playing surface was probably an inch deep in mud. What? The referee had said it, as if the ball would move, but obviously slowly. So he called the game on. We found out where we was having our meal. So we got to the Met Police and we had plenty of time. We got changed. We chatted. We chatted long and hard. I chatted about this centre forward to Terry Martin. And I knew the goalkeeper was a bit iffy on crosses. We were a big side. We had Terry Martin, Mark Seager. They were big lads. So And we were good at corners. We would put corners under the crossbar and make the goalkeeper make mistakes. Mm. Or, or make him make his decisions, perhaps not the decisions he wanted to make.
1: Absolutely.
0: But, you know, we, we came in half-time, nil-nil, and we'd done okay. We'd done okay. Again, it was a bit... It was drizzling second half, which wasn't doing the pitch any favours. The pitch got boggy and a bit. The ball dropped. It wouldn't move. And then we got that goal. We got a penalty. Roly Graham fell over in the box. I think a, 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 a puff of wind had caught him. <laughs> and he was good at that, Roley. You know, I, just, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, I think on VAR nowadays, I think he'd lost out a lot. <laughs> but we got the penalty and I'm thinking this is a massive penalty we're in the fifth round yeah. this is maybe to go to the quarterfinal yeah. up walked Steve Lovell buried it in the bottom corner he said me out of the game Tom I couldn't get my feet out of the mud to run towards the ball I said well I'm glad you scored Steve you've done your job he said yeah great what happens now I said Steve we're in the quarterfinals of the FA bars. we are literally three games from Wembley because the semi final was two legs. Yes. So I went to Anfield for the sixth round draw. The FA put me up in a lovely hotel, and I knew a couple of people at the FA. They looked after me a little bit. Steve Clark was the FA representative for the FA Cup, he organised everything, even for the VARS, the FA Cup, the trophy. Steve was a lovely fellow and he put he put me up in a hotel in Liverpool and I got to the ground, to Liverpool. Gerard Houllier was doing the draw. I'm not sure he, understand, he understood what it was all about. You know, he wouldn't have known Deal Town. No. He might have recognised Arsenal, but not Deal Town. No. So anyway, that was the first day I met the Chippenham manager, a guy called Tommy Saunders. Full of himself, 28 years of age. I was 46 by now, so I was the experienced one. Sure. And he sat around our table and was telling everybody what a good side he had, and he fancied their chances. And I thought, yeah, Jimmy Wald was there because Ramsgate were in the quarter final as well. It could quite easily have been a Kent-Wembley final. Yeah. People, they drew Newcastle Town, uh, at home at uh, Ramsgate, and we drew Mossley at home. Now, they both come from the same league, the North Western Trains League. Sounds cold when you say it, doesn't it, Tony? It does. Yeah. North Western Trains Northern League. Cool. And Mossley and Newcastle were in the spoke, and Vauxhall Motors, who were a sensational side at that level. Yes. They were run by the, the the motor company. And that's where the ground was, in the middle of the factories. And I was very sceptical about how do I get to Mosley? Where is it? Hmm. It's the other side of Manchester. No problem. I said to my chairman, can I go up Roy? He said, yeah, Tom, take your time. Nice hotel. Couldn't find hotel anywhere, Tony. Manchester United had a European Cup match that night. I I stayed in Chester, which was another thirty miles away. The only hotel available that night. So I stayed in a hotel. Sandy had come with me, but I liked a bit of me me comforts, Tony. Yes. I like something warm to wake up in the morning too.
1: (laughs) You haven't changed.
0: So yeah. yeah, and Sandy came with me to to Mossley, and it was right in the hills above Oldham. And they played Salford. And Salford had Ryan Giggs' pl- brother playing, yes. Rodri. And Mossley were a big, strong side. They blew Salford away that night, 3-1. And I thought... I was on the way home the following afternoon and I got a phone call from the chairman. He said, Tom, what, is, what are they like? I said, Roy, I think we've got a problem. <laughs> I said, Roy, they're big and strong and violent yeah. and it was freezing cold and they all ran out with their shirt sleeves up, up their elbows. I said, so it's going to be a tough game. So anyway, we, we had a week, 10 days to prepare. Now, there's a story here. Now, I'm hoping that anybody listening, I'm hoping, doesn't rat on me. Because before the Mosley game, someone, I'm not sure it wasn't me, came up with the idea of when we came to the game, players had to have wear women's underwear under their clothes. Tony, you've never seen anything like it. I wished I'd have had a camera. I gave my, some of my team talk to a bunch of transvestites. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Mossley were wandering around looking at our pitch. And there's people taking various items that their wives had given them. Yeah. Some of them looked too comfortable, Tony. I bet they did. Yeah. If I, I talk, imagine. if I mention Steve Best, I don't want anybody to repeat me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I won't tell you what I was wearing, Tony. It was very simple. <laughs> I didn't have a lot to cover in them days. So, and I've probably not changed. Anyway, Lovely. mostly we went from women's underwear to fighting our corner in the toughest 45 minutes of Vars football we'd had. They were a good side. They were not so much a good side. They weren't a great footballing team. But they were big and strong and weren't afraid to leave their foot in. You know, they were team from the other side of Oldham. And they had one or two good players. But fortunately, we scored after four minutes. A wonderful bit of trickery in the box. Jamie Kempster flicked it over a guy's head smashed it past the goalkeeper, so we're one-up. And then five minutes before half-time, stand by me, I've, I've got the video. They got a corner and the fella headed it in. So I'm thinking one-all. Referee's given a foul on the goalkeeper, Craig Tucker. Tony, <laughs> no, Craig Tucker weren't anywhere near it. Or, or the, or the centre-forward. Centre-forward got in front of people, and the referee, I suppose, assumed Craig had punched the geezer on the back of the head.
1: All right. Anyway,
0: we got away with that. So we, instead of being one or half-time, we're winding up. We go out second half and there's 2,000 people in the ground, which, you know, the interest was fantastic. Mosley had come down mob-handed. They'd come down in their people, carriers, and a small coach. And just at the last three or four minutes of the game, there was a huge punch up in the corner. that distracted everybody. And in that moment, Jamie Kempter smashed into a tackle, released Steve Marshall, and on 87 minutes, goal. Brilliant. You know, brilliant, you know. But this fight was going on in the corner we had the Dover stewards trying to sort it out for us. And the Mosley people apologised to say that they were, they always came for the punch-up. Anyway, no problem. You know, we, we'd got tuning up. Steve Marshall had smashed it in from 25 yards. And then they scored to make it 2-1. Oh. And then within seconds, we scored again. Paul Ribbons, my man Paul Ribbons, 11, 12 goals a year. Brilliant. He smashed one in. He rebounded off the goalkeeper from a hard shot from Jamie Kempster, I think it was, and Rivo smashed it in the top corner. And I've got him on video video, celebrating with his arms out wide, singing Wembley, Wembley. (laughs) And then the game finished and... It was a tough game. You know, I said to the boys in the dressing room, you've just come through the toughest examination you've had in nearly 14 months. Wow. The Kent League wasn't like that. You know, there was no one in the Kent League like that. Yeah. And in the Vase, we would played a couple of powder puff teams, which are not being unkind, but looking back, that's what they were. They were like a free pass. Yeah. So suddenly we had, we'd had to fight our corner 90 minutes and we fought it brilliantly anyway so we're in the semi-finals of the fa carlsberg Vase. so on the monday night the draw is being made at craven cottage fulham's ground so no problem the, the fa put us up all the uh, semi-finalists they were vauxhall motors newcastle town Newcastle Town had beaten Ramsgate at Ramsgate, which for Ramsgate was was a dreadful disappointment. But there was Deal, Chippenham, Newcastle, Vauxhall Motors. I'm sat with my chairman in this hospitality room at Fulham and I said, whatever you do, don't react. We were number three. I said, if we come out first, which means we're home first, don't react. Because Mark Lawrence's doing the draw with Peter Shilton. And he draws out number three. And I think, great, home to, we're at home in the first league. And Roy goes, yes! <laughs> and right in front of us is the Newcastle manager and his first team coach and their chairman. And I thought, oh, no, Roy. Hey, no, fair play. You know, we, we was at home in the first league which you'd always want to be yes whitstable town football club's main sponsor is fibertech uk limited and we got the draw and unfortunately we was away in the first leg Mm. and i'll never forget newcastle town is a suburb of stoke and their ground was literally 400 yards away from Stoke City's ground. Oh, yeah. So the police told Newcastle Town they could not play the game on a Saturday because they was uh, worried of two sets of supporters maybe getting involved. So we played We played on a Sunday. I'll never forget Sunday, March the 19th, 2000. Imprinted on my brain that day. So we played on a Sunday. And we agreed with Newcastle, they would play us on the following Sunday at our place. Yep. So we've gone to Newcastle. We're away in the first leg. Roly Graham had to have a late fitness test on his toe. He'd broken his toe and just about passed. I was a bit worried about Roly. Perhaps, you know, he wasn't the bravest, strongest Charles Atlas player, if you know what I mean. Um, he was he was a super player, but I didn't want to play him if he wasn't 100%. Fair enough. And I still feel that he was only 75%. He played his part in the game. He made his runs. He got, he had, he got on the end of things. So that was fine. I always tell young managers, never play someone who's injured. Never play someone on reputation. Now, I did that that day. We went to Newcastle, the first leg. Sunday afternoon, quarter past two, quarter of an hour after we kick off, we're tuning up. Wow. Two huge long throws from Paul Ribbons, and Newcastle couldn't deal with them. I'm talking throwing the ball forty yards, it good, good at that. Right into the six-yard box. Yeah. Anyway, we scored from the first throw on. Steve Best got a lucky bobble. And headed it in from literally three yards. And we got a throw on in exactly the same place. 40 seconds later, Ribo threw it again. Their centre forward jumped up to head it away and it flicked off his head into his own net. Oh. So we were tuning it up at half time. Now it was a difficult half time talk. I said to the boys, You're tuning it up. If you sit back, you'll crucify yourselves. If you sit back, they will come at you because they've got nothing to lose now. That's right. And so what we did second half, we probably was a bit too open, but we played our normal game and Craig Tucker pulled off a couple of great saves for us. Terry Martin, great tackles. Jason Ash off the line. Their manager hit the bar from 35 yards, bounced down into the box. They all fell for us, Tony. Hmm. And they're the type of days you think, please God, I hope we don't come down to a referee's decision or the bounce of a ball yeah. off the post. But we were tuning up and that second half, we had a little bit of luck, we had a little bit of fortune. I'll admit to that any day of the week because you can't win big tournaments no. without that shred of good fortune. Very true. So anyway... Final whistle, 2-0, we've won the first leg. And my players were so disciplined. There was no celebrating because we had a week to play in next week. Mm. No, It's no good getting up their noses today just because we've beaten them. We had another tough game at our place following Sunday. Now, in that week, Tony, I was full-time at the football club and I was in helping to sell tickets for the game. And everybody that came in would look at me and say, i got these tickets, Tom. When did we get the Wembley tickets? Because we were winning 2-0. And I hated that, oh. that level of, you know, yeah. disrespect. Taking it for granted. I said, I said to someone, if they score first, you watch. You watch what happens you will see one of the best teams in Kent struggle to even take a free kick or a throw on because of the nerves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wembley was being knocked down. We had to get there then or never. Yeah. So the second leg came. Now, during that week, the our pitch wasn't particularly good at the Charles Sports Ground, but Roy Roy Smith, the chairman, had somehow managed to persuade Royal St George's to send their greenkeeping staff to our ground. And they made it into a lush carpet in four or five days. They reseeded it. They turned it over. It was a joy to play on. Fantastic. But it was also a joy for Newcastle to play on. Yes. Which was their strong point. Then they was managed by a guy called Ray Walker, who would play five or 600 games for Port Vale. And was commonly known as the Glen Hoddle of the lower leagues. he was a super footballer, mm. and they had this big center forward, a guy called Darren Twig, forget Twig, he looked like an oak oak tree, you know yeah. Jason Ash, one of my defenders, I knew was going to have a hard afternoon, and I said to Jason, be prepared, be prepared for." the physical battle, because that's what it's going to be. And Jason did wonderfully, as he always did. I played three centre-halves. One of my centre-halves would drop off and sweep. The other two centre-halves would pick up the front two. And that was an, an Italian way of playing. that I'd been bought up at Millwall playing 3-5-2. Yeah. So, tough game. Tough game. It started to rain, and I'm thinking, should I throw on? I threw on Johnny Walden. Now John was the size of a house. Yeah, it's he good a Yeah, built like a built like the size of a side of a house. Steve Lovell, who was nearly 40 years of age, had worked himself into the ground, and I put John on for Steve, and we we managed to get a foothold back in the game. We, now, we, we went 1-0 up early in the first half to the most amazing stroke of luck you've ever seen in your life. Their centre-half tried to clear his lines and as Rowley Graham tried to close him down from 18 yards, the centre-half kicked it straight at Rowley's knee and it flew in the top corner and I had my, Colin Ford, my, my coach, was sat next to me, said to me, Tom, your name's written on this. And I said, Colin, we have got a long way to go yet. Yeah. So suddenly, we're 3-0 up on aggregate, 12 minutes into the second leg. Okay. And, you know, I stopped people going up for corners. I'd, I'd, I was negative for the rest of the, the game. I yeah. had to be. I didn't want to give them a goal, like a loose goal, to give them a little bit. Because if they'd have got that goal, they would have lost all their inhibitions. Yes. And the last 25 minutes was the hardest 25 minutes of my managerial career. The referee was a guy I knew called Lee Cable. I kept looking at him. As the game got to the right, the latter stages, I kept looking at Lee. And I kept looking at him as he got his his whistle in his hand. And suddenly, he put his whistle to his mouth. And I had Steve Lovell, who had been substituted, sat next to me. He lifted me up. He said, Tom, you've done it. You've done it, son. Now, Steve Lovell was a fantastic professional and didn't show emotion. Very humble man. He said, Tom, you've done it. And he was shaking me. I burst into tears and I make no apologies for that. This was something I'd been chasing for twenty five years. Yeah. Amazing. And I was gonna go and manage a team at Wembley Stadium. Unbelievable. And they was knocking it down in a month's time. We yeah. was gonna be virtually the last game. That's right. Oh, so, Tony, what, a night. The what a night. Put a fantastic marquee up. And we celebrated together the players, very it wasn't it wasn't over the top. We had a beer and we had a bit of cake, he laid a lovely spread on. And there was people from the Kent League, people we've lost, Peter Wager, Roy Vinter. Yeah. People were so proud of us. I'm not surprised, mate. You know there was no animosity, it was no oh we don't care if you got there. It was Peter Wager, who was in his very late 70s by then, shook my hand and said, Tom, if I die tomorrow, I'll die a happy man. And I thought, Peter Wager, Roy Vinter, who we've also lost, great people, wonderful people, and we were in the final of the FA Carlsberg final. We had five weeks. Wow! Before the final. Wow. Now, Let me stop you for that's... a second. Let me stop you for a second. Yeah, go on.
1: Because what you haven't touched on throughout the whole of this is how your
0: league was going. Because you had a yeah. great,
1: you had a great league run that season,
0: didn't you? Oh yeah, we were. It was us and Thamesmead that fought the league out the, that year. We'd finished runners up the year before to Ramsgate, and everybody had been so disappointed. And I thought getting to Wembley might make it up to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was wonderful. We had something like 13 games to play Yes. in between the second semi-final and Wembley. Now, we had to fit them games in and I had to really put my thinking cap on. How many times was I going to play my best team? Because we needed that 12 or 13 points to win the league. And I could see coming up in the fixture list a run of games, Lordswood, Hyde, and I thought, what should I do? Should I go strong, get those points, and then maybe pick at the odd point up here and there before the season finishes? Because I said to my players, I'm not going to put you under pressure to play, but there'll be nights when none of you play. I said to Steve Lovell, 39 years of age, I said, Steve, I can't pick you every game. You know that, don't you? He said, Tom, don't keep leaving me out because I'll lose my edge. And I said, I'll pick you when I think I can. Yeah. We'll talk about it. And that's what we did. I can remember being 3 nil down to Slade Green at home. I'd left about eight players out and we'd thrown a few of the reserves in. We drew 3-3. And I thought to myself, how am I going to get these points? We needed 10, 12 points to get above Thamesmead in the league. So we went strong on three or four games. We had three or four games in that 12-day period. And I crossed my fingers and I said to people like Seeger and Martin, right, be careful. Be careful. Don't be stupid. Don't put your life on the line. You know, at the end of the day, Wembley's going to be more important than winning the Kent League title to us. Mm. And, and, and I had people come back at me and say, Tom, I'll be all right. Yeah, OK. Well, it turned out we got in the League Cup final that year. We beat Faversham in the semi final over two legs. And the League had bought the League Cup final forward a week. From May the 6th, which was the FA bars final to whatever it was, March the 29th or something, we were playing VCD. And I said to my chairman, I don't want to play that game. I, he said, Tom, we'll send the youth side. I said, Roy, I don't want in the record box books like VCD 6, Dilltown 0, because there's no explanation. I <laughs> <you> don't want <laughs> us to play it. We pleaded with the Kent League to play it after Wembley because we. I said, if we gamble, I said to Peter Wager, who was Kent League chairman in them days, I said, Peter, if you gamble, if we win the vase, we'll play VCD at Margate's ground in front of 5,000 people. Yeah. So what happened was we pulled out of the League Cup final. No, we weren't getting above ourselves at all. I said to Roy, can we not just say we're not playing? Which is what we did. BCD went on to beat a Favisham side who had about eleven strange people in their team who weren't even registered with the club. So that was their that was their their loss. The Kent League could have had that League Cup final yeah, could in have been front too. of four thousand people. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's, that's gone now. That's past. Cool. Yeah. You know, it's easy being wise after the event. Absolutely. What can I tell you about Wembley, Tony? Cool. yeah. Tony, we went to a couple of meetings, myself, Roy Smith, to talk about, you know, what side of the ground did we want to put our supporters in? What dressing room was we going to toss up for? We had to make sure the photograph that went in the program was pristine. We didn't want any of them sloppy photographs with people of all different heights. Yeah. And we took the, pro- the photograph professionally, gave it to Wembley for their program. And they said, that's fantastic. So I was given um, a schedule You know, you will arrive at the ground no later than seven minutes past three. You will go on the pitch to warm up pre-match at four minutes past three. You will come off at 22 minutes. Tony, it was like the army. And we had to stick by those times. And it was the hottest day you've ever known in your life. It was warm. Wasn't it man? was thirty degrees on the bench. Yeah, and it at the, it was no air. The stadium was very claustrophobic, as big as it was, and we had to warm up after there was a a Carlsberg pub cup final on before we played. Yeah, and there was a lot of people supporting that game. it? Was a, it was almost the Eastleigh team representing Southampton and a team from up north representing Liverpool. There must have been 12,000 people in the ground watching it. So we came out the tunnel, signed autographs and did what we had to do. There's two sets of dressing rooms at Wembley and the team playing the pub cup final went off and got changed. We was then allowed on the pitch to do the warm-up. I said to my number two, Colin, I said, be very careful, Colin, just gentle. Just gentle warm-up, you know, kicking the ball five yards maybe. It was that hot, we didn't want to expend any energy at all. So it now 10 to 3, and we're getting changed. There was two stewards in the dressing room handing out water bottles, and one of them said, came up to me and said, are you the manager? I said, yes, my name's Tom. And he he said whatever his name was. He had a white shirt and a Wembley tie on. He said, I was here for the World Cup final. I said, you've been here that long? He said, yeah, I was here. 30, 25 years ago. I was in the dressing room when the lads were getting changed. Oh, Tony. I I took my breath away. Oh, yeah. That This steward was handing out bottles and he'd, He'd been in that dressing room with Ramsey and Bobby Moore wow. and George Cohen that day. Fantastic. Worked at the ground for 35 years. He'd done all sorts. He'd done uh, hospitality and he made sure the players were, had bottles of water and they had little towels they were giving out, hand towels, and they said, anything we can do, just tell us. And <laughs> I didn't know what to say, Tony. They were knocking the ground down 10 days later. That's right, yeah. And they was going to, the Twin Towers were coming down, bulldozers were going in. The only game played after that Carlsberg-Vars final was England played Germany in a World Cup qualifier and lost 1-0. And Kevin Keegan resigned in the toilets (laughs) in the dressing room (laughs) And this chat told me this, like, they, people were telling me stories years later. Fantastic. Oh, Tony. You know, I couldn't help but sit down there and think, Ramsey, Robson, sure. Taylor, Venables, you know, I'm sitting where these people are sat. Yeah. And the, 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 um, I, I can tell you now, the team talk was emotional i can imagine your mothers and your mums and dads are here this is the greatest day of our lives let's not have any regrets yeah let's do what we've talked about we know what they they're good at they know what we're good at let's make sure we don't leave anything i don't care how hot it is you you'd play at wembley in any condition, under any circumstances, yep. do not let the day pass you by. And I was, I was almost tearful, Tony. I won't lie. I didn't want to be too sentimental because we had to be professional and we had a job to do. And Tony, we did the job brilliant on a the day. They had a couple of key players that we snuffed out We had a couple of key players, Marshall and Graham particularly. Uh, I lost my right wing back after 12 minutes, David Monteith, an absolute genius of a footballer, the quickest feat you've ever seen in your life. Dave went down, Torey's ACL, and was on the stretcher, under the roll box, in tears. I was in tears with him. And his wife had come down out in the stand. We was all crying. And Colin Ford grabbed hold of me. He said, come on, Tom, we've got a job to do. And I then made the worst substitution of my career. I'd lost a left wing back. And I put on a centre arm. Tony, I was in a a whirl. And I, I said, Right. You tell Seeks to play there. You tell Sunset to play there. I made five changes for one substitution. And at half time, we could have been two down. Yeah. Because of the, how we was disorganised. And my captain couldn't repair it on the pitch. No. Because I'd made an absolute... Yeah, fix it. Yeah, I made an absolute mess of it. Yeah. And luckily, we got through. They were strong, but we got stronger as the game went on. And 87 minutes, you know, we get a corner. Rowdy Graham takes the corner, clips it into the near post. Their goalkeeper catches it, throws it out to the left back, who then ambles down the pitch at his own pace, walking almost and then played it into his front man who gave the ball away to Jamie Kempster. Jamie Kempster had two choices, smash it 40 yards down the pitch or roll it into someone. Well, Jamie chose the right one. He rolled it into Steve Marshall and he took off like Batman with his cape flowing in the back. And he clipped this little crossing. And Rowley Graham had taken the corner and had walked from the corner flag into the box, suddenly found his normal four yards of space, smashed it in the top corner on the volley, first time. Tony, you know, I was 80 yards away. I leapt up, as you can imagine, jumped over the advertising hurdle, the Carlsberg, uh, jumped over it. Cleared it with about eighth of an inch to spare, because I wasn't the most athletic in them days at 46. <laughs> and Roly Graham, within about five seconds, had come running past me, scored the goal, run behind the goal, run behind the corner flag, ran down the touchline, past the roll box. He was absolutely knackered when he finished. With two minutes to play, I said, "Where's Roly gone?" <laughs> he couldn't breathe Tony No. but well, what a celebration oh, he, couldn't, he couldn't breathe Fantastic. I, I remember I was on the pitch and they was playing all these records we are the champions and then somehow they played status quo rocking all around the world and we were, we was, yeah. everybody was we was up on our feet I was looking for my family my brother my wife, my sister-in-law. I was looking for anybody that that was a friend. And all I could see was a sea of flags. Sea of flags, yeah. Tony, the greatest day of my life. If I've gone on about it too long, that's because it was the greatest day of my football life. That's fantastic. When my daughter was born, yeah, wonderful. I love, love love it a bit. But you asked me the greatest moment. On the 6th of May, 2000, at probably 13 minutes to five. That was my moment. And Rowley Graham is now emigrated to Australia, lives on that goal, plays veterans football out there and tells people he scored the winner at Wembley. They don't know what the FA Vars is, the Australians. They think he's won the FA Cup. I know. (laughs) Tony, hey, fair play. I tell, I tell people I was a great player because no one's old enough to remember. <laughs> I have been blessed, Tony, yes. with some of the greatest memories and some of the finest players to play step five level or step four. Fabulous. And Absolutely fabulous. Whatever, whatever I've achieved in the game, I've achieved with these people. You know, I'll, I consider myself... A good successful manager but you can't do anything you can't play golf without your clubs and they were my golf clubs my players That's fantastic and i shot under par quite a lot <laughs> because, because we were just relentless
1: yeah
0: and wembley i've got it on i've got it on my ipad and i occasionally put it on see the celebrations see Rowley's goal see the highlights of the game thinking that was my team and it was tommy sampson's team after the game i missed the uh, press co- i missed the uh, dressing room photographs they took me to a press conference with the national papers and there was quite a few people i was familiar with and quite friendly on the phone nicholas harling who wrote for the daily telegraph yep. colin matham who wrote for the Sun for many years, Walter Gammy, who yeah. wrote for the Times. They were the non-league reporters in those Brilliant. papers. Wonderful, you know. I've got Walter Gammy in my scrapbook calling me uh, a force of nature. And if he said I, it, I'll believe him. That's absolutely. I'm fantastic. still a force of nature, Tony. You still are, yeah. Even though this stroke still confines me i'm still a false of nature well i'm
1: glad you mentioned that tom because uh, actually it's time that we wrap this up now but um what about the run into it did you get to see the opposition much
0: tony the strange thing was we we qualified for wembley in very late march and the final was on the 6th of may so it gave me seven or eight weeks Keith Listendon and I both went down twice to watch them. We went down and saw them in a big local derby. Their big local derby was Chippenham versus Milksham. And that was a uh, like Everybody hated each other. And, it, and I got to see the best of them or the worst of them. They were a big, strong team. And Keith and I both agreed that we would need to use a bit of pace to beat them. Because... Uh, dead ball kicked, it was going to be nip and tuck. So, yeah, I mean, I got to see plenty of them. We didn't, we didn't go in blind at all. Oh, that's
1: good, good. And how did you get on with the manager what, what, you know, on the day? How did that work through?
0: Well, Tommy Saunders, their manager, uh, was a great fella, full of himself, kept telling me what team I was going to pick. I know what team you're going to pick. He was uh, obviously a Wiltshire lad and he'd, he'd packed up his playing career very early with an ankle injury. He played for a team called Town, which is a Somerset-based team. And he took Chippenham on very early. He was only about 23. So by the time he'd, got, he'd won his league and then got to Wembley, he was 28. We met each other in the tunnel. We I said, hello, mate, how are you? And he said, yeah. I said, look, we've got to enjoy today because today is going to be very special. Yeah. We shook hands and we both walked out. I've got the video of me and Tommy walking out the tunnel together. I was waving to the crowd. Tommy was trying to wave to the crowd because he wasn't sure. He wasn't as extrovert as me. He was a lovely man and still is. Every anniversary, the 6th of May, every year, I get texts from all my players, saying, happy anniversary, boss. I get a text from Tommy and he says, Tom, thanks for ru- ruining my life. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's great, great fella, lovely man. He's, he lost his son this summer to a very rare form of cancer. Oh dear. His son was a sportsman, played rugby. And I've commiserated with Tom, obviously. When the whistle blew at Wembley, that 90th minute, when that shrill went, I walked across the gangway and Tommy was sat, there was no dugouts, they were just rows of seats. Tommy was sat there with a Chippenham shirt around his neck and he was sobbing. And, it, you know, Rowley's goal would really taken Oh,
1: yeah.
0: He'd kick the life out of him. You know, I can't imagine how he must have felt. So anyway, I went across the gangway. It's one of the, my proudest moments in football. When everybody rushed to the pitch, I thought, I must go and see how Tom's doing. Yeah. I went over there, three, four paces, kissed him on the top of the head <laughs> and said, said, Tom, me and you are going to be mates for life. Oh, how lovely. And we still are, Tony. We still talk. We still text. We st- well, he still catches up with me. I catch up with him. He's had a dreadful summer with his son dying. Oh, that's terrible. But super fella and very great company. Ladies and gents, Tom just
1: mentioned something about his stroke. And what we're going to do, we're going to finish this one now, the FA Vars Triumphant for Town with Tommy as the manager and all those great players. Tommy and I are going to have a chat about the few seconds that changed his life. And uh, he's written a couple of books. I know he's got another one on the go now, and we'll yeah. be talking about <laughs> that as well. So from me here at uh, Belmont Banter, and Tommy, you've been a star today, Tommy. Been brilliant, mate. Absolutely brilliant. So from me here at Belmont Banter, and Tommy on the other end of Zoom. For now, Tom, cheers, and we'll meet again soon. Cheers,
0: buddy. Cheers, Tony. All the best. Thanks a lot. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is FibreTech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details.
1: Your host Tony Rouse every week on Belmont Banter
0: for news about local football in Kent and beyond.
1: I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers!